0: Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at Sardis Fellowship. To find info on our speaker and series, please check the podcast description. Thanks for listening, and enjoy! So, we're in Galatians, right? A life set free. And today's message is on freedom. This is what Paul has said that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, freedom is a great thing. I used to feel that way when I finished an exam at Briarcrest and it was the last one before like the Christmas break, you know, the semester's over. It's just like this weight off your shoulders, right? Um, Or even more so when I finished my my graduate project, uh, my um, master's degree project for my last one, a big paper that you have to write and then you have to defend it and stuff like that. And it was just a big deal. And when it was done, it's like this weight off your shoulders. That's one level of freedom, but was also free time. All that time that you'd put into, you know, writing papers, you now had to do whatever you wanted to do. And we've all experienced being set free from something that makes us go, yeah, that's good. Imagine if you were a person who'd actually spent time in prison. What would it be like to be set free from that experience and to come out of prison and know that you can go where you want and do what you want, although you might want to be careful because that might have been what got you there in the first place, but to realize that freedom is a gift and you have the freedom to figure it out and to get it right. But you know, not everyone can handle the freedom, right? You've heard this, there's movies about it. Like Shawshank Redemption, where it's hard to be on the outside after you've been on the inside for so long. When you get so used to slavery, it's hard to shake the shackles of that which has bound you for so long, the bondage, and you come out of that and now you're free, but you don't actually know how to live in that freedom properly. And the reason why I bring out this kind of language around this is because today we're going to see that the church in Galatia was struggling with the understanding of what this freedom in Christ really meant or how you were to live with it. And they were making this horrendous mistake of trying to go back into bondage. And Paul was like, no, you do not want to go there. That is no gospel. That is not good news. There is nothing there for you to save you or to set you free. The only thing that can set you free is what you have already experienced in Jesus Christ. He set you free from sin. He set you free from death, as in eternal separation from God. And he set you free from this cumbersome thing called the law of Moses, which was a burden, a yoke, he calls it. You know, like two oxen that wear that wooden yoke around their necks and they're hooked in and all they can do is move forward, pulling that cart behind them. Paul says it's like this burdensome yoke Christ has set you free from that. Why would you want to go back? Somehow the good news of the good news, which Paul had shared with them, had been compromised. Someone was leading these set free people back into bondage. And he's kind of asking how and why? And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, if anyone knew how important this freedom was. It was the apostle Paul. I said to you when I started this series that he gives a lot of his personal story at the beginning of Galatians 1, right? Chapter 1, a bit in 2. And he is the person whose life has been set free and he knows this firsthand because he was so determined to keep the law perfectly. And yet when he realized he could not keep the law and he experienced Christ, Christ set him free from that. So this is a bit of his personal experience. And I think for those of us who've truly come to faith in Jesus Christ, we know it for ourselves as well that our lives have been set free from sin and death. Why are they, after knowing what the law could not do, now turning back to the law? Paul reminds them of this. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, that was an idea of like going back to to be a part of the law. If you put yourself back under the law, Christ will be of no value to you at all. What does that mean? It means if you're gonna go and trust in the law for salvation, (laughs) you can't be trusting in Christ. You can't have both. You can't mix this. It's one or the other. So what's it going to be? You going to trust in the law or Christ? You trust in the law, Christ is of no value to you. Again, I declare to you that every one of you who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. So if you're going to put yourself under the law of Moses, don't just think it's one aspect of the law. It's the whole law. And how well are you going to do if you're trusting in that law to save yourself? And so that's Paul's warning. And out of that mindset, he says in Galatians 5.1, and this is our key verse for today, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Well, what is this freedom? The very reason why Jesus has come was to set them free from sin, but also from this law, because the law condemned them. Don't hear this wrong. The law is not bad. The law is good. The law reflects the holy character of God. Well, then why all this kind of language that sounds like it's bad? Well, it's only bad when you believe that you can be saved by keeping it. You see, that's where Paul says, now you're under a curse because cursed is everyone who does not complete or fulfill the entire law. Well, no one can. Well, therefore, the law is not good. But the law is good. In and of itself, it shows us how holy and righteous God is. It tells us what sin is. So Paul asks the question that probably the Galatians were asking which is well in Paul why was the law given at all right that's a fair question to ask and maybe we've wondered that ourselves because let's think about it if if the goodness that God had for us was going to be a free gift and it was to come through the promise and it was promised to Abraham and it was to all people who'd be on earth that all of us would be blessed. So whether you're a Jewish person or a non-Jewish person, person everyone was going to be blessed through this promise, which was Jesus Christ. And it would happen by putting your faith and trust in him. This is God's grace shown toward us. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to bite. You don't have to jump through hoops. You need to say yes to Jesus. So all of that is ours, why was the law then given? Why not just cut out the law and go straight to the cross and give us this gift? Well, you know, have you ever read a good story? Or watched a good movie? They don't get right to the point right away, right? It builds up. There's a crescendo, there's a climax, there's a point where you know very well that at the point of the climax of the story, you get it. And you get it because of the buildup, right? And Paul's gonna, in essence, say the law had a purpose. It served a purpose for years and years and years and years of helping us to understand something. No one can keep it. We all miss the mark. So that's the build up until what? The promised Messiah, a Jewish man born to woman in the fullness of time come into our world to save us from our sins. That should have been the aha The law was there until Christ came, and now it is completed in Christ. The law was given alongside the promise. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child, which is a reference to Jesus Christ who was promised. Now, you might not be familiar with the language of that verse because that's coming from the New Living Translation. Some of you use that one. It's a great one. I chose it on purpose because it really articulates exactly what Paul is getting at. The law was given alongside the promise for a time until this promised one, Jesus, would come. And then it has served its purpose. In Galatians 3, 23 and 24, Paul says that the law acted like a guardian. Um, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Remember we talked about being justified as put right with God. It's not that you yourself are righteous, it's that the righteousness of Jesus is now yours and you are made right with God. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So Paul's referencing an idea that isn't so familiar with us. I mean, we understand guardianship, so that's not too hard to understand. But in Greek and Roman culture, it was very common for a family, and especially a family of nobility, to put a child under uh, the stewardship of a guardian. They would raise that child until that child came of age. And when the child came of age, they were no longer under any control of the guardian. They no longer had any responsibility to the guardian, nor did the guardian have any responsibility to the child. Because the child was now of age, they had the full rights of an adult in that family. So Paul is using kind of a modern day illustration to help them understand the role in which the law played. The law played a role until the child became of age and then it was no longer needed. So he explains it further like this in this analogy in chapter four. What What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, a child, he is no different from a slave, even though he owns the whole thing, okay? He's gonna get his inheritance one day, but at this stage in their life, the slave and the heir are really the same because the heir has no rights at that point. The heir is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, under the law, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world, and he defines those later on. But when the set time had come, God, the Father, sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship, which means it's your full position within the family. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. This is the Holy Spirit who calls out Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Now you might be getting a bit lost in all of that language, but just follow the logic here for a second. What Paul is trying to say is that all of us are like that child who for a time had no rights But when that child came of age, was given the full position within the family to receive the full inheritance. And what Paul is trying to say to these people is understand the law had its place. It had its purpose. It was there to help us understand that we missed the mark, that we were not actually passing this thing. And that at the moment that we came of age and God the Father sent his son into the world, we should be going, yes, that's the answer that's the one who can give me what I need that the law could not give me. And at that moment that we accept Jesus, we become full heirs. We receive the blessings of that. And what Paul is saying is that the presence of the Holy Spirit, who has come into their lives, and he's come into our lives Is that evidence of the fact that we are children of God? And this Holy Spirit who comes to live within us doesn't define within us our relationship with God the Father through a checkbox of yes you did or no you didn't. Did you read your Bible today? Did you pray? Did you? Did you? That's not how it works. How does it work? The Spirit within us allows us to say Abba Father. Well, what is that? It's kind of like our saying Papa or daddy. It's an intimate relationship whereby what Paul is saying is now because of Jesus Christ, you enter into that very relationship with God that you know in your heart you want to have. And you're trying to have it through a law you can't complete because the law cannot do that. It cannot give you that. But Jesus can. And the spirit of God who comes to live within you draws you into the presence of God so that you might know that you are his child. That you have full position of sonship. It's a technical language. It's to not, the reason why is not to exclude women in this. Okay, it's not about male, female as much as it is about understanding that there is a rightful full position that we have in the family of God. Okay, that's what sonship is talking about. Is that you have the full rights of a child who is grown up and now is of age. And what Paul's trying to help them understand is you are set free by this gospel. Why would you want to go back into the law. Well, they might be thinking, well, Paul, you know, as well as we do, you can't control the people unless you put a yoke on them. There's no way you can control them without a law. Well, you know, we kind of understand that. We have rules in our homes, right? We have rules in society and they're good rules. They are things that are trying to help us to be able to live together and all that kind of stuff, right? But let me ask you a question. Can those rules produce in the heart of the person any kind of change? Do the rules have power to alter the heart of the person who's trying to live under the rules? The answer is no. The rules can only do what? They only point out when you fail. And if they're harshly applied to the life of a person, you know what even happens worse than that? Is that the person just realizes there's no way I can ever meet the mark. Therefore, I'll just be rebellious. I think this is important for us to understand because what Paul was seeing was actually that the law and the misguided understanding of the people who thought that they were actually keeping the law, you just have rebellious hearts. Your heart is so hardened, you don't know how far off the mark you are. You think you're meeting the mark? Paul called sin a missing of the mark, like an archer who shoots a bow at the target and he misses the target. He says, you're missing the target. Those rules don't empower you for holy living. But I can tell you what does, Paul says, the gospel of grace is Jesus Christ. And he would not bend on this point. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Stand firm. Don't be budged on this. The whole gospel is right there. The whole point of Galatians is that Paul is not going to compromise on this point, nor can we. You wanna know why? The moment you do, there's no gospel. There's no good news. Paul says, stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not go back there. Well, then Paul, what should we do? Because this is new territory for these Christians and they're not sure exactly how to live without the law. And he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's hard for them to really grasp. They had been trusting in the law Because the law does point them to what is right and what is wrong and what is good and what is bad. But now in Christ and with the coming of the Holy Spirit, there's something new that Paul is trying to instruct them. You're going to be guided now by the Holy Spirit. And the way in which the Holy Spirit works in our life is he wants us to humbly love and serve one another. That's what your freedom is to be used for. Your freedom is not to be used to indulge your sinful nature. Your freedom is to be used... To fulfill fulfill the command of Christ that he gave to his disciples on the night before that he, the night before he died, right? When he washed their feet and he gave um, that long teaching. In there, he gave this command. I give you this command to love one another as I have loved you. As Christ has sacrificed his life for them. Not just the washing of their feet because their feet were dirty, That was a picture of what would happen on the cross the next day where he would wash them completely by his blood that was shed, okay? So the picture of the feet being washed of the cross, love one another as I have loved you, means that we are to sacrificially love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I find this a very challenging slide, Uh, verse, which is on a slide. I find it challenging for this reason. I usually evaluate whether I'm a spiritual person based on the me and God equation, okay? How am I doing, Lord? How are my thoughts? You know, is my heart inclined to say yes to Jesus? And am I reading my Bible? And am I praying? And all those kinds of things that we kind of would maybe do. You know, we have moments in a devotional time in a quiet moment or sitting out in creation where we're worshiping God. And those are wonderful and they're beautiful. And I'm not trying to take away from them, but what I'm trying to say is I'm hearing Jesus say, but I evaluate your spirituality by how you love one another. Oh, how often do I take time to assess myself against how I'm treating others and how I'm viewing others? Whether I'm starting within my home, within my home, loving you know, spouse and children and then neighbors and people we connect with and go to school with like, how do I evaluate am I doing with those people. Because Paul's command here is gonna be that the Spirit of God is now guiding you to humbly serve and love one another. Paul says it's not about the law, neither circumcision, which is a reference to the Jewish people in the Jewish law, nor uncircumcision, which is everyone else who's not a Jew, has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so where he's taking them into uncharted territory is to understand that it is not the law that will produce in you this. It is your understanding of what Christ did on the cross for you which will now produce in you a love for one another. That's where it comes from. And, and guess what? If you don't have the power and strength to do it, well, you don't. It comes from the Holy Spirit who lives within you. He empowers you to live that. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's kind of an interesting thing because I think that probably draws the mind in the gospels where Jesus said, to the rich young ruler who came to him and said, what's the most important command in the the whole law of Moses, right? Remember that? And what did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Uh, But Paul doesn't bring out that first point, and we might wonder, why not? I, I don't think in any way, shape, or form, Paul is negating that we are to love God first and foremost in our life. I think what he's challenging them to understand is that it is the test of our love for God by how we love our neighbor. that unless we are loving one another and serving one another in humility, in love, we're not actually loving God the way he wants us to love God. Do you follow the logic? God first, yes and always, but how? Well, it's proven by how we treat each other. And I find this very challenging. This is a test. This is the witness that we have, is how we love one another. We are set free from something. We are set free to something. So Paul would say, you are set free from sin. You are set free from death. You are set free from the law. But you are set free to love and serve one another. That's what it means to have a life set free. In Romans 13... And I'm going to go to Romans a bit. I told you this before, where Galatians and Romans have a lot in common. And uh, sometimes he just says it slightly differently in um, one letter or the other. But he says, let no debt remain outstanding, notice I've highlighted, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, oh, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and all the other commandments are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is a fulfillment of the law. And to that I say, wow, wow. Like these Christians were going, well, Paul, yeah, we've trusted in Jesus, but you know, we want to kind of bring the law along with us just to make sure things stay in order. And Paul's like, it doesn't work that way the way it stays in order is that you understand the love of Jesus Christ shown for you becomes the love that fulfills the entire law of the Old Testament. That's what the gospel of grace is. And they were kind of thinking, well, but Paul, you kind of sound like this grace thing is going to govern us, and we think it sounds like a license to sin. Oh, yeah, grace will cover it. Is that what Paul's saying? It's just go ahead, and you've got permission now to go sin? That's not what Paul's saying at all. And he says it again in in Romans 6, 1. uh, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? That kind of an idea. Well, the more I sin, the more grace increases. So, hey, that's a good thing, right? And he says, by no means... We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it any longer? So he in no way is trying to stress the fact that this freedom we have is freedom to sin. (laughs) You know what? Sinning is our default. I hate to say it. Whether you got the law or you don't have the law, we sin. People who sin with the law, people who sin without the law, our problem is we sin. We're good at it. We're very good at it. You know, I had two older brothers and they taught me a lot, but they didn't have to teach me much about sin. I was pretty good right out of the gate, you know? Now, they had a few tips along the way. (laughs) The bottom line is, Paul says, we have a problem and the law cannot cure it, but Jesus can. The cross can. The cross can cure it. Jesus sets us free from the power of sin and death over us. Romans 8, 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life The Holy Spirit gives us life. He has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it's not because I'm so good and you're so good. That has nothing to do with it. It has to do with what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And now the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And I believe that's the key that Paul is going to introduce to them is the understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit who guides us, who empowers us, He's going to say to keep in step with the spirit. Now there's a bit of irony because right in the middle of Paul having this conversation with them about the law being fulfilled by the love and all that. In verse 15, he says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Uh, there were problems in this church. And so the bit of irony is you're trusting in the law. You believe that the law is the thing that's going to save you. You believe that the law is the thing that's going to make you right in the presence of God or good people or righteous and all this kind of thing that they're looking at the law for. And Paul says, you're biting and devouring each other. This is not working clearly. God has a new way of doing it. And it's going to be through his grace. It's going to be through the work of the cross. It's going to be through the coming of the Holy Spirit who empowers us to treat each other in love. That's what Paul is trying to help them understand. So he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's his key. Well, Paul, Paul, we we need everything written down. We've got to check these. No, 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 no. That's not going to empower you to be right before God. But yielding to the presence of God within you that will be your strength and power. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. What's at stake for Paul? Because he's making a pretty big deal for this church that if they don't pay attention, they're going to lose something. He says, there will be no gospel at all. If you give in to law, if you go back To law keeping, you've not been set free. In fact, your Christian liberty, your liberty in Christ is gone. It's gone. And you'll be back under this burden. A life set free is to understand that Christ has set us free, not only from the law of sin and death, but from some kind of a system that we pin against each other. I think this is where this message makes sense for us today. We in our humanity have such. A bent towards law keeping, box checking. As long as we're doing better than someone else and we get a critical spirit and a judgmental eye and we push ourselves up and we push someone else down, we don't talk like this, but we think it in our heads. And Paul comes along and says, stop judging each other. Let the law of Christ, which now lives within each of us by the power of the Holy Spirit, guide us. I'm going to give you an example of some of Paul's thinking out of Romans 14 on what's called disputable matters. Things that they were arguing over, things that related to dietary laws that you can find in the Old Testament, things that related to days of the week that you would worship on, and this is what Paul has some instruction. Let's just read this through says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. Now don't get lost there. What he's trying to say is, This employer cannot go to that employee of a different employer and say, you need to do this to do your job right. That employee gives an answer to his own employer. And what Paul's saying is, our master is Jesus Christ. Our master is God. We stand or fall based on him and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. So whether you're Jew or non-Jew, whether you keep the law or you don't keep the law, you both have equal standing in the presence of God. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord for they give thanks to God and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. I didn't know Devin was going to read that in his prayer today. Thank you, Devin, for bringing out that verse. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. Paul is wanting us to understand that we have freedom in Christ. It is freedom from the law. It is freedom from sin and death. it's freedom to love and serve one another. It is also freedom to enjoy the things that God has given us in this world that we could give thanks to God for. And so we wonder sometimes, well, what guides us? We've shared this before. Good language, good words here to help us. In essentials, unity. You know, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, his perfect life lived, his sinless life, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension to where he reigns now at the right hand of the Father. These are the essentials of the Christian faith. You throw those away and you haven't got anything. In non essentials, liberty. And that's what Paul's talking about here freedom. Freedom to enjoy one thing or another, but dependent on your relationship with God, he makes you stand, okay? in all things charity, you know, where we do disagree or we think someone else is in the wrong, hey, you know what, pounding them to death isn't probably the way in which you're gonna win them to the Lord. Show the grace of God. Invite them to a new understanding. Encourage them along in their faith. And the reason why I bring this out here is because I'm hoping that this series in Galatians not only helps us understand our own faith better, or for someone who hasn't yet come to faith, that you would put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but that for every single one of us, we will care about that third line that we will be grace filled people who care more about encouraging someone along than just pointing out all the ways they got it wrong. That's the spirit of Christ. That's the way in which the body of Christ works. Yes, there's a place for truth, but it's right alongside grace, and those two need to go together hand in hand. So Paul would instruct us, brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is, fu- is fu- fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no, no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up at this time and we're going to sing a closing song. I'm also going to invite um, our prayer team to come up. Uh, A couple of um, Brad and Selena Smith, they're going to be over here in front of the baptistry. We're wanting to give opportunity from week to week that if you have something you want to pray about, Maybe something heavy on your heart that you just wanna pray with another person that you could come forward during the last song or even staying after the service is over and just have a time of prayer with our prayer team people. You could be a person though that realizes, you know what, I have never actually made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and I wanna do that and I wanna talk to someone about that. That's also an opportunity to come and meet with our prayer team. So we invite you to join us during this closing song. You can be singing it, you can be prayerfully in your heart seeking God or you can come forward and also receive uh, prayer with Brad and Selena. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.